It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Jason Robel and Whitney Lauritsen. I got really fired up today on social media for the first time in a long time. It's not something that I typically engage in that kind of energy of, of getting really stirred up and really riled up. And today on Instagram, I had had enough. I had had enough. And I needed to speak out about something because it's interesting. I reached a point of, I don't know if frustration is quite the right word, but I just, I had had enough of the yakety yak and people flapping their gums all about Beyond Meat this week. And, you know, with the huge IPO that came out, Beyond Meat is now a public company. They're on the NASDAQ. And last I've been checking in, because this is huge, that there is a plant-based vegan company that had an IPO. As of May 2019. Correct. Mm-hmm. And the last valuation was around $4 billion for a vegan co- That's never happened in the history of commerce. Is that true? Yes, that is correct that a vegan company was valued at $4 billion. This has never happened. This is groundbreaking. Like in terms of conscious capitalism, in terms of creating vegan and plant-based products. A vegan food company only? Correct. So it's been really interesting to see the public response to this. So we've been eating Beyond Meat for many, many years. It's like we were at one of the launch parties. Uh, When was that? 2012, 2013? So been tracking this company, trying their products, seeing them evolve over the the past six to seven years. And with this IPO and the success, and also amazingly, a lot of celebrity athletes are now endorsing it and or have been investors in the company. And Bill Gates is an investor. Yeah. And and, and Leonardo DiCaprio is an investor. I believe that he is. I believe that he is. Mm -hmm. And Richard Branson? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think the the list of, it's not speculation. Branson is for sure. That's what I was asking. I'm almost positive that he is in that company. I know he's in some vegan company. Let's oh, say. interesting. Well, Whitney's looking this up. The thing that's been interesting is the coalescing of the energy around this company and how fascinating and polarizing the opinions are around this. Yeah, here you go. There's an article from actually our friend Jill, who writes for Live Kindly, wrote this. And Jeff Bezos, Richard Branson, and Bill Gates are leading a funding round into the vegan meat startup Motif Ingredients. So I think that's maybe a competitor for Beyond Meat. Is that right? But I'm almost positive that Bill Gates invested in Beyond Meat. Yes, he did for sure. And then Leonardo DiCaprio, I think, also. Leonardo DiCaprio is also an investor in hippies, by the way. (laughs) Is he really? (laughs) <laughs> it makes complete sense. Although he's, I don't think he's even vegetarian, is he? I have no idea. But he's a huge environmentalist. But you know, him being a vegetarian doesn't necessarily uh, give him a pass. And that's what I want to bless you. Talk about today. So in this massive whirlwind of energy over the past week of Beyond Meat going public, them being at Del Taco, them being at Carl's Jr., just the amazing penetration they've had into 
the commercial fast food arena. This week being the second week of May 2019, which is probably not when other people will be listening. That is correct. Thank you for that clarification. (laughs) So the thing that I've been interested in and paying attention to is the response, the praise, the backlash, all of the things around this. And we were talking, you and I, Whitney, were talking earlier at lunch that you feel like you haven't seen a lot of the backlash or the negativity around it, where I feel like my feed, for whatever reason, has just been flooded with so many interesting comments and flooded with so many opinions. Can I pause for a second to explain why I think that is? Because you've unfollowed a lot of people. <laughs> I mean, literally, <laughs> I think I had somewhere between two to 3,000 people that I was following on Instagram. And I can't remember when that was exactly. I think it was last year, late last year, 2018. And I just hit this point where I wanted you and I actually had a conversation about this. We were thinking like, wow, wouldn't it be cool if we were following just like a handful of people? So I diligently went through all the people that I was following on Instagram and unfollowed anyone that I just didn't feel in alignment with. I either didn't know them. And so when I saw their names and looked at their feeds, I just thought to myself, I don't even know who this person is and why I'm following them. Probably because I met them at some random place and or I just saw one post of them and I followed them. Meaning that I went through every single person. I think it took me several weeks because I vetted every single account. And I remember feeling frustrated that I couldn't follow less people. I think I'm down to 130 people that I'm following right now, which is very low relative. And every once in a while, I'll still go through and just do a little check and say, does following this person still feel good to me? And I'll tell you, there is a huge benefit to that. One is that I'm choosing to follow people that I feel very aligned with, right? And I think there's a pro and a con to that. One is that sometimes if we are only paying attention to the people that we like, (laughs) we don't know what's going on outside of our own perspectives. So there is this benefit in Jason's case of following people that you might disagree with because you become less single-minded, right? You're more open-minded, in other words, when you're following people that you might disagree with. But the downside, in my opinion, is that I personally don't want to open up my Instagram and see something that's going to make me feel angry, frustrated, sad, or I'm in a comparison mode. So that's what I was looking for in this part of my life right now. And as of when I did the unfollowing, let's say within the past six months or maybe more, I wanted to go on Instagram and and not get feel like I was being emotionally triggered. And so I would find that I would open it up and I would see somebody with a body that I admired. And I would think to myself, gosh, I wish I looked like that. Or sometimes I'd open up and I'd see somebody doing something really amazing. And I'd think, well, I really wish that I was doing that too. And then sometimes I would open it up and I would see someone getting all these likes or have all these followers. And I would get into this mode of, gosh, I wish that my post got that many likes and I had that many followers. So it was like this constant trigger of comparison constantly. And so for me personally, I haven't learned how to not be triggered by that. So the posts that I see now, there's actually some really great benefits to only following 130 people is one, the people that I'm following don't necessarily post every day. So when I open up my Instagram and scroll through, sometimes there'll only be like two new posts for me to see. And Instagram will be like, you've seen all the other posts that have been been shared. And so it's actually like keeps me on Instagram less. Although I still go into the discover section and I'll just browse around. That's where I find all the good memes that I send Jason. I love a good meme. And so actually, because I go into the discover section, I still get exposed to people that might trigger me. But what's cool about Instagram's discover section is that it's usually based on an algorithm of what you've been liking. So if you start to like posts that 
you actually like, then they'll only show you posts related to that. So lately for me, it's like a lot of inspirational quotes, a lot of people talking about body image in a positive way, and also lots of possums and bulldogs and cats. Excellent. (laughs) That's on there. But I just wanted to say, share that with you, Jason, and people listening, because when you're saying, well, Whitney didn't even know this was happening, it is interesting when you really curate what's coming into your Instagram, Facebook, your newsletters. Are you reading the news? Are you watching the news? Are you listening to podcasts? Like whatever you're choosing to put into your consciousness says a lot about what you're paying attention to. And I think a lot of people are so used to taking in every piece of information, the good and the bad. And as you'll hear in this episode, Jason, you're pretty worked up about this. Yeah, I'm very worked up. Well, we can talk about more about the emotional side of it, but let's get into the quote unquote meat of what you've heard that I was not aware of until Jason shared it with me today. This is actually a great example of how we can get news. We can either choose to get it from a news source or we can just have conversations with friends and we can kind of curate what we know about the world based on what information our friends are gathering. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's actually like going back to oh, our roots cool. as human beings. We shared news verbally in person and now we share news through social media and blogs and TV and et cetera. So we're now exposed to a lot more opinions and perspectives in the world for good or for bad. Mm -hmm. True. And many of those opinions and perspectives have been extremely positive regarding this, what I see as a monumental title moment. And I was talking to my mom earlier about this, and it's interesting because I never really know what (laughs) my mom's reaction is going to be for the things I post on social media. Really? I feel like you and your mom agree on those things. We do, but there's an occasion where she's like, ah, I don't know, da-da-da, the end. You know, she's questioned me on certain things. And I'm like, I'm going to keep it up. Like, I'm not taking it down. But my point is when I post something where I'm fired up or I've got a lot of emotion or I'm doing a love rant, as I call them on my Instagram stories, it's just curious to see how people are going to respond or react. So today, I did a long one where I was doing a love rant, honestly, about my perspectives of the negativity and the hate, the haters that have come out of the woodwork, where it's interesting, like before, not saying this is a fact, it's just what I've observed before the IPO, didn't seem like there was that much hate directed at Beyond Meat. Beyond Meat goes in the IPO, they're valued at $4 billion. And the comments have been fascinating that people have been posting because I shared it the day of their IPO on my Facebook wall and said, this is a monumental moment. I've been vegan for 21 years, vegetarian for 23. Like It's a monumental day to see conscious, compassionate capitalism taking this leap forward. I mean, it's on so many levels, it's massive. But to pay attention to the subsequent comments I got on my page, and then also just comments finding me, there's been things that have been ranging from one person was saying like, and this was most of them, but there's other ones like a fellow chef that we know, I'm not going to name anybody by names because it's not how we do it here. But said something to the effect of like, God, all this, all this fake meat, all this processed food, why don't, why don't people just eat like vegetables? And someone commented below that, well, yeah, but if we're talking to people who are eating a standard American diet, they need gateway foods. And the chef that we know went gateway schmateway, processed foods shouldn't be blah, 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 and goes on this long diatribe, right? That's one example. I was like, okay, fair enough. I can, I can understand from a chef's perspective that this particular chef we know is all about whole ingredients, doesn't really use anything processed. It's almost like their food philosophy. Not necessarily from an ethical standpoint of view, but that was just his food philosophy. He was being a bit of a snobby artist, okay? Because I know this person and I can call them that. 
But would you want someone to call you a snobby? I wouldn't want to be called a snobby artist. I would. I would because I am a snobby artist. So anyway, let me be kinder. They're very particular about what they like to prepare their food with. That's kinder. That is kinder. I don't mind being called a snob personally, though. (laughs) So beyond that, though, I was seeing posts. One post in particular was comparing Beyond Meat to Soylent Green. Soylent Green, if the listener, you guys have not seen this movie, it was Charlton Heston. It came out, I think, in the early 70s, where by the year 2022, the government or the world was feeding people with this product called Soylent Green. And the whole thing about Soylent Green is the denouement, the end of the movie, is they reveal Charlton Heston, the main character, finds out that Soylent Green is made from people, ground up people. And the last scene of the movie is him screaming, going, Soylent Green is people, people, like he's going crazy in the cut to black. So the very end of the movie, you find out Soylent Green is ground up people. And this other acquaintance we have in the health and wellness field was comparing and saying that the chemical process and the laboratory functions of how they create Beyond Meat products, which are proprietary, we don't know that much about it, is equivalent to us eating human corpses. Are you sure that they were comparing it to Soylent Green, the movie, or Soylent, the product? Oh, no, 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 because they posted a movie poster of Soylent Green, the movie, and said, we're heading in this direction. By 2022, we're going to be eating humans. He was basically saying there are human cells in Beyond Meat. So as we're going through this thing, I'm just seeing more and more and more posts. One was just basically like talking about, you know, how these millionaires at the top of me, you know, everyone's like so rich now after the IPO and they're poisoning people. So some people are saying they're poisoning people. Another person was like, we're not meant to eat processed foods. We should be eating whole foods and zero oil and all this and all that and ba-da-da-da-da. And what has been triggered in me, okay, and what I wanted to talk about earlier today and what I did talk about on my Instagram story is that it seems to me that a lot of these posts are looking at some sort of perfected state of how we ought to be eating and not looking for, in my opinion, at the higher goal here, which is global warming, staving off the current environmental catastrophe that we're facing reducing the suffering and slaughter of hundreds of billions of animals that we're killing each year for our food supply. But no, you should be eating a kale salad and not a Beyond Burger because that's how we ought to be eating. So I get triggered because it feeds into, to me, this idea of perfection over progress. And that's not really my value system. And also, can I pause to say that even kale can be bad because it's on the dirty dozen list. If you're not eating organic kale, you could be still eating a product laced with chemicals. True. It's kind of ironic in a way, because then you go down this whole rabbit hole of now it's like, okay, are you going to eat kale? And is any kale better than a Beyond Burger or is a non-organic kale equally as bad as a Beyond Burger? I mean, I think to your point here, it's just that it really depends on your perspectives and the grand scheme of things. It's all relative, right? It all depends on what stage you're in, too, because many people, when they transition to the plant-based diet at first, they become junk food vegans. Mm-hmm. They're eating a ton of processed foods. Me too. I've gone through a lot of stages of eating a lot of processed foods and I still consume them. I mean, I still, I love the Beyond Burger. I've been eating a low carb diet for about nine months or so at this point. And the Beyond Burger is actually one of very few meat alternatives out there that I can consume with my dietary choices and my food sensitivities. So for me, it's all relative to the other things that I can consume. If, if you took away the Beyond Burger for me, or if I chose not to eat the Beyond Burger, 
it's actually in a way taking away some joy from me. And so that's relative to my life. If I choose to have the Beyond Burger a couple times a month just for pure satisfaction, (laughs) A, it's all relative to how often I consume it. And it's also relative to other people. Like let's say they're choosing that at Carl's Jr., which is this chain on the West Coast or Western part of the United States. I don't know where all the boundaries of where Carl's Jr. is, but this fast food and now Burger King is going to have the Impossible Burger, which is a competitor to Beyond Meat. And imagine how many people are going to choose to have these burgers. Actually, our friend Robert Cheek just posted on his Instagram today how he was going to Del Taco because Del Taco has the Beyond Meat crumbles in their tacos. And he said, I don't mean to misquote him or where he got this information from, but according to Robert, it was one of the most successful product launches that Del Taco's ever had. So that's a vegan product at a non-vegan restaurant. And it's, to my knowledge, perhaps their first like outwardly plant-based product in their advertising. It's not like you can just put guacamole and tomatoes in a taco and call it vegan. Like you're getting a vegan meat alternative in your taco. And imagine how many people are going to pull up to that line and say, oh, I saw Leonardo DiCaprio posting about this and I've really been thinking about my impact on the environment. Maybe I should choose this instead of the cow-based meat that I normally order, right? Same thing when you go to Carl's Jr. or Beyond Burger or Beyond or Burger King. I mean, any of these fast food places that are now serving these patties. And another great example, very timely, is today Jason and I went to try out this new burger shop in Los Angeles. And it's actually entirely vegan, but they don't lead with veganism in their advertising. No, they don't. It has only been open a week. Granted, this is in Los Angeles in a neighborhood that's very health forward. But we were shocked today, sitting in this tiny restaurant, there was a line out the door for lunchtime. And I just instinctually looked at the crowd and just based on observation, I assumed that most people, if not everybody aside from us in that restaurant, probably ate meat. They weren't fully vegan, in other words. So they're coming into this vegan shop. And actually, did you hear there is a man sitting across from us in the restaurant who asked the owner, oh, is, he was already eating his meal and he asked if it was vegan. Like he was like taking a bite of the food and then asked just flat out, oh, is this a vegan burger? So it's not, he didn't wow. even ask before he ordered. I mean, he didn't seem dissatisfied. So I assumed he was just curious, but I think that people are probably just thought, oh, look, like a new burger shop. I'm going to go try it out. They don't care if it's vegan or not. But the amount of lives those people saved in terms of cows or pigs, chickens, whatever, and then the environmental impact, which is exactly why Leonardo DiCaprio invests and Bill Gates, they are looking for more ways to take care of the environment. And I'm sure there's a financial incentive for them, too, of course. I mean, Jason and I will be honest, like we make a lot of decisions out of our financial interest, right? But that is secondary to our bigger goals. And I I would assume that's the same with Leonardo DiCaprio. He doesn't even need any more money, to be honest. But maybe he wants to invest in Beyond Meat so that he can put money into his foundations, right? Same thing with Bill Gates. I mean, there are elements of Bill Gates that I may not agree with. I'm also a huge Apple lover, so there's that. But meaning like Apple, the company, 
not I like apples, the food as well. But, but no matter what, if and Jeff Bezos, the richest man in the world, he's investing in another plant-based company. Yes, these men are obviously very good at making money and they care a lot, but they already have plenty of money. Do they need to make more? No. But who are we to judge what they're even doing with that money? Maybe it really isn't just about the money for them. Maybe it's just like they're such good businessmen that they know a good company when they see one and that's why they make these investments, right? So I think these knee-jerk reactions, and as you're saying, Jason, this perfectionist mentality, I get it too. I've gone through stages of my life where I've really wanted to eat perfectly, right? But I have not found that sustainable. (laughs) And I have a lot of different opinions about the way that I eat and my choices and how they impact the environment. But I don't need to like push them on other people, really. I can share them. I can talk about my experiences. But I think it's just that some people come to a place in their lives where they realize that just because they think something, that doesn't mean that they can force somebody else to think the same, right? And some people want to dedicate their lives to trying to force others. But let's look at humanity. Most things have not gone over well when we've tried to force humans to do anything, Do you know what I'm saying? Like, if we really step back, some of the most horrible decisions we've made as human beings has been when one person said, this is the way I want things done. And if you don't follow me, then you're against me and I may kill you, right? It's like (laughs) some really horrific things have happened. Now, that may be a stretch from a conversation around Beyond Meat, but it's ultimately very similar. It's like, If you don't agree with the way that I want to eat, then you're wrong and I'm going to shame you and I'm going to bully you into trying to eat the same way and and buy the same things or this whole protest element. I mean, I don't know if people have gone that far with Beyond Meat to like protest it, but what do you think is the point of people posting about their negative opinions about Beyond Meat? By and large, other than people shaming the owners for making all this money, which has been rare, the financial shaming, it's mostly been the shaming and the judgment around processed food is bad. Even if it's plant-based, it will kill you. They're using human cells in their formula, not telling anybody. It's made in a laboratory. You should be, and I've seen should many times, be eating fresh from the farmer's market or be growing your own food or buying whole food plant-based and not doing anything processed. So it's been really about shaming processed food in general, saying it's it's categorically bad for human health and that humans ought to be eating as clean and organic and fresh as possible. That's been the most of it. If I'm going to play the idealist role and understand where they're coming from, yes, on the highest level, do I think that most humans, probably all humans, would benefit from eating cleaner, organic, locally grown plant foods, whole plant, of course, fresh greens, fresh fruits and vegetables. Of course, that should be the foundation of fresh vegetables, in particular, fresh organic greens of pretty much any diet, right? With few exceptions. But to me, the thing that I have is idealism and the need to be right, getting in the way of progress and acknowledging progress. That's the issue that I have. And the issue that I have is because this reminds me of studying how years ago, the original civil rights movement got frayed. And the feminism movement got frayed. And a lot of social justice movements, things that were small groups of people coming together to change the world or alter the system, eventually there becomes this infighting where it's not the resistance or the negativity or the penetration of outside forces 
things dissolve and become frayed from the inside because people think they're right and you're wrong and you're doing it the wrong way. And honestly, the saddest and most frustrating thing I feel sometimes is looking at the vegan movement, the compassionate capitalism movement, everything we're in, just trying to save animal lives, try and turn around global warming and the environmental catastrophe and optimize human health, is them putting their opinions of what we ought to be doing in front of the larger goal, which is, according to the current climate scientists now in May of 2019, we have 12 years to turn this around or the catastrophe is inevitable or that we kill globally hundreds of billions of animals. But no, you should be eating greens only. It's this pedantic, dismissive, ego-based need to be right that it blows my mind because it's like, yes, on the highest level, I agree with you. But with nearly 8 billion people on this planet that are consuming and eating and producing unsustainably to avoid a global catastrophe and save lives, I'm not going to be pushing people to eat salads all day. Because if you go to a place like Montgomery, Alabama, or where I'm from, Detroit, Michigan, Abilene, Texas, you guys should just be eating salads. As if they don't already know that. I mean, any human being knows that a salad is, is one of the healthiest choices you could make. That's the part that's kind of funny about this is like we have been grown up and most of us have learned whether our parents have encouraged us or not. But it's I think that most human beings are aware that fruits and vegetables are like the healthiest thing to eat. But I will say myself that I'm actually even now I don't get that excited about salads. (laughs) There are some weeks where I do not have a salad at all. That's a tweetable and a quotable from today's show. I just don't get excited about salads. I I don't. I get bored very easily. I mean, to me, it's like I have to have the right dressing and the right texture. It's got to have like all these different textures. And like, to me, a salad is actually on the complex side. And the worst thing for me is if I buy a bunch of salad ingredients trying to force myself to eat them, sometimes I'm just not in the mood for it. And they'll just go bad in my fridge and I've wasted money and food by buying things that I didn't even really want, right? So I go through these phases where I'll eat a ton of salads and times where I'll just be, maybe I'll have steamed vegetables instead or whatever. Like, I feel like even after all of these years of studying plant-based nutrition and experimenting, even I sometimes just go through phases where I I just desire processed foods and that's going to be my choice to have them, right? And so it's this idea of, are you going to, be against me and my choices simply because I want to go to Carl's Jr. every once in a while and get a Beyond Burger in a non-organic lettuce wrap. This is the thing. It's like, I feel like it's so from the ego because you're assuming that somebody else has not weighed out all the pros and cons of that decision. Like sometimes I'll choose to eat a bag of processed snacks like chips or puffs or whatever, but I literally will stand there in the aisle of the grocery store, weighing out the pros and cons of whether or not I should buy that food. And then I make a decision. Sometimes I put the bag back and sometimes I take the bag. Sometimes I eat the whole bag in one sitting and sometimes I measure it out and try to follow the serving sizes. But I know that I'm making a decision based on what feels best for me in that moment. And I think what happens is that people make these judgments or shaming others from, and they have no idea why somebody is deciding to eat Beyond Meat. I mean, we had it today. Why do we go get a Beyond Burger? Well, a new place opened and we wanted to support a new vegan restaurant. So we went there to try this burger, to give our feedback, to help them spread the word so other people could go try it out for themselves. 
we evaluated why. In in fact, we even had a conversation because to be honest, I love the taste of Beyond Meat, but oftentimes it gives me a stomach ache. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I know on a personal level that I should have it in moderation, right? Because I know the ingredients are processed and I know that it will give me a stomach ache. You said the same thing. Our friend Melissa, we went with, said the same thing. I mean, the three of us discussed like, okay, should we go to this restaurant, try the Beyond Burger, right? So we were having a conscious conversation about it. So maybe what would be more beneficial than trying to make these overall statements and judgments and right or wrong, black and white, is to encourage people to be conscious about their choices. Mm -hmm. So If you're going to decide to have the Beyond Burger, are you having it instead of meat? If so, great choice. (laughs) Are you having the Beyond Burger every single day? If so, maybe not the healthiest choice for you. Are you having the burger in addition to salad? Are you having the burger once a week and the rest of the week you had salads and vegetables and all these other things? Is it your splurge meal? Is it something that you're having for the very first time? I just met up with some friends who live in this remote part of Canada. They had never even had the Impossible Burger because it's not available near where they live. And even though they're very devoted vegans, they don't even get to experience it often. So are you going to tell them not to have it, not to experience it once a year? Are you just make this blanket statement that it is wrong and bad for your health? And to your point, Jason, it's not considering all the variables about why somebody might eat that. And I think it's actually coming from a place of, as we said earlier, a lot of ego of right or wrong. I know better than you. I know what's good for the planet. I know what's good for people's health. But has the person that has said that statement really weighed out the pros and cons? Have they sat down and like read statements by investors? And have they talked to Ethan Brown? We're not recording this episode just to be like ambassadors for Beyond Meat. Not at all. We're actually just true fans and we celebrate them as a company because like Jason said, we've been there from the beginning. We've watched this brand grow over time. We actually know the chef that helped Beyond Meat develop the Beyond Burger. We've talked to him. We trust him. He's an incredible person who's so thoughtful and intentional, right? We also have met the team from Impossible Foods. I talked to the food scientists about this. Like, I have put faces to the company. Has that person or have those people that have made these big, bold statements, have they really dug in deep enough before they formed their opinions? I don't know. But my guess would be probably not. Because I don't think very many people have spent that time developing their opinions on a brand or a product enough before they've shouted from the rooftops how they really feel. Well, if they were to do that, that would mean there's a possibility they wouldn't be right and they'd have to change their opinion before they shove it down people's throats. Mm -hmm. So it's indicative, I think, of the larger landscape of social media right now, which is people just vomiting their opinions without much substantive research behind what they're talking about and everyone being armchair experts. Which is a thing. And look, I get it. People in some way in their life are not feeling validated, seen or approved of. So if they're like, I'm going to teach everybody what's healthy. It is. It's this ego boost. It's like, I know I'm going to teach you. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you what you should eat, what you shouldn't eat. And again, maybe it's the fatalist in me. Maybe it's the nihilist in me. But I have this cartoon image. You know, sometimes you see like the, the comic strips in the newspaper of like the world burning and cities collapsing and, and forests being on fire. And like this person sitting with a fork and a salad going, but you guys need to eat your grains. (laughs) 
<laughs> Newsflash. If we do not do our best to divert our carbon output, our methane output, the level of plastic we're putting in the earth and the oceans, the amount of meat and dairy products we're eating, the amount of animals we're killing, if we don't wake the fuck up and keep doing things, okay, and making efforts each day for ourselves and others, there's not going to be a habitable planet left to eat your salad and your perfect diet. To me, it's like the goal, in my opinion, is to do the best we can to really turn around what we're doing on this planet so we have a planet to live on, right? Obsessing over our food choices right now seems like one of the lowest priorities. Well, it is one of the highest priorities because our, if our food choices are made in terms of the long-term impact. Yeah. And I think to their point, maybe they're concerned that if a lot of people are eating these processed foods, that maybe we would move towards a place where everybody's eating processed foods to survive. I mean, that is a scary reality if you think about it, because there is a product called Soylent that happens to be vegan, and it is a meal in a bottle. Right. And yep. they have done research to prove that you can survive off of it. Right. <laughs> you have a bottle in your fridge. <laughs> I haven't touched it. <laughs> <laughs> Is it there like in an emergency, like break in case of emergency type of a thing? It was given to me in a swag bag at an event. And I was like, OK, but I've done enough research around the genetic modification and how they, they were basically pro GMO. This company yeah. proud of the fact that they genetically modify their ingredients. I was like, that's a bit of a hard line stance that I don't feel comfortable with. Right. And whereas Beyond Meat is non-GMO, correct? Mm -hmm. And Impossible Foods has GMO ingredients. I think that's one that of the big differences correct. between the two. That is correct. As far as I know. Yeah. I mean, Beyond Meat's constantly changing, but I'm pretty sure they're still non-GMO. Right? So there's that. But maybe to the point, I think processed foods, I think they trigger people because it's like, it feels so easy. So the pro of a processed food, like Soylent, I mean... I got to be honest, it sounds pretty nice to wake up and not even think about what I'm going to eat and just grab a shake, drink it, right? If Soylent was organic and it was made with ingredients that didn't upset my stomach, I would probably drink it pretty regularly. I am one of those people that I'm just like, I get it frustrated sometimes. Maybe this is why salads are, <laughs> are tough for me. But here I am and we're working on the podcast to do better things for people's consciousness, right? That's our aim here. I have this whole brand eco vegan gal that I'm working on to help teach people about veganism and, and being better for the environment. And that work is exhausting. And there are many days where I don't even feel like I have the energy to figure out what to eat. Yeah. So my point being, there's plenty of people on this planet that they feel so drained by their work for good or for bad. And maybe they're doing something good for the planet, good for people's health, good for the long term. But because they're doing so much work, burning themselves out, like, I mean, perfect example is Elon Musk, who probably barely sleeps. He would be a perfect candidate for convenient foods like Soylent, right? Because that man probably doesn't have time to eat <laughs> or he doesn't want to make time to eat. He's probably so exhausted. He needs just like quick energy, right? So are you going to say, sorry, Elon Musk, you need to spend an hour for breakfast, an hour for lunch, an hour for dinner. You need to take away from this life-changing work that you're doing to sit down and how dare you have a Beyond Meat. I mean, again, it's all relative. Yeah. And yeah. so to me, the pro to processed foods is that it makes it easier for people to get nourished quickly and inexpensively. Mm -hmm. The cons to processed food is that the nutritional benefit, while it depends on your views of nutrition, I mean, something like Soylent has been 
precisely designed to give you everything you quote unquote need, right? Your nutritional necessities. But those type of nutrients are very different than if you were to get a whole foods equivalent of those. I think like maybe the point in against something like the Beyond Burger or Beyond Meat in general is that sure, you can get the nutrition from Beyond Meat, but you would be better off in the long term getting that nutrition from a salad or from vegetable, like fresh vegetables, right? And so I think I agree with that. Jason's nodding his head. He agrees with that, right? But the time that it takes to shop for high quality vegetables, the money that it might take to buy them and the time it takes to prepare them, some people, in fact, I would venture to say many people find that daunting. And to Jason's point too, it's like if you say to someone, hey, you know that Beyond Meat burger that you bought from the grocery store to cook at home, like it's not good for you. They might say, oh, they're probably right. I should be eating less processed food. So I'm going to buy the beef instead because it's just one ingredient. So in a way, it can actually turn people away from veganism because to them, they're thinking, okay, well, if I have the option between the Beyond Burger, a beef patty, or a plate full of vegetables, and I'm really craving a burger right now, I'm going to choose the beef patty if you're saying the Beyond Burger isn't healthy, right? So people can swing in the opposite direction. I mean, who knows what other choice? Like if you're already vegan, I don't know where all of these opinions are targeted, but if someone's saying to vegans, like, don't eat the Beyond Burger, like, Again, if somebody's making a choice to have the Beyond Burger, what are their other options? To go buy some, let's be honest, inedible veggie patty? (laughs) One of the reasons I've really loved the Beyond Burger is because I've been vegan for 15, 16 years. 16, I think, this year. And I had experimented with vegetarianism off and on before then. I remember, I'm having a flashback right now. I'm curious, Jason. I'm going to share my answer, but I'm going to ask you first. When you think of a veggie patty, like when you've gone to a restaurant pre-Beyond Meat, pre-like Gardein, let's like go way back. When you think of a veggie patty, think of like the first strong memory that comes to mind. I'll tell you mine. There's two. It was the mid-90s, so I have two in mind because it was the mid-90s and there was really only two. I'm going to tell you mine. I think it was maybe the year 2000, 1999, somewhere in there. I was in a hard rock cafe (laughs) in New York City on like a school trip and I was trying to eat healthy. So I ordered a veggie burger and I remember it being really gross. And I was trying to like put on a front in front of my school friends like, oh, yeah, I made the right choice by ordering this veggie patty. But it was gross. And that's just one of countless times where I would order the veggie burger and it was like, crumbling apart chunks of like corn and like various vegetables gooey mashed together like either undercooked or overcooked right like just a soggy mess of vegetables on a bun pretending to be a burger i mean that was the state of vegetarians food for a long time so when the beyond burger came out and i tried that my mind was blown And I know that it's scientifically made, but man, like when I want a burger, that's the experience I want. I want that smoky experience. I do want it to be quote unquote meat-like because I still deep down remember what it's like to have that meat experience. I don't want actual meat. I want to be vegan. But deep down, most human beings, we have like this carnal, carnal, primal, 
Yeah, carnal is sexual. Yeah, okay. Well, it could be sexual. Food's very sexual, right? But there's like this primal desire to have smoked meat, right? I mean, that's why bacon, I think, is such a huge deal. Mm-hmm. It's because it like taps into like some old wiring in our head. That was what they've created with Beyond Meat so that, and again, it's targeted to non-vegans and vegetarians. That's who they're marketing. It just happens to be vegan so that, yes, vegetarians and vegans can enjoy it too, but I don't think we're their target market. So I think most vegetarians and vegans are adventurous enough and knowledgeable enough to know that there are plenty of other things that we can eat. And I'm not saying right now in 2019 that we don't have plenty of options. There are some bomb-ass veggie burgers all across the world that you can get. I'm not saying it's like my experience back 20 years ago at the Hard Rock Cafe, right? We've evolved a lot in that time. My point being, I think a lot of people, when they think veggie burger, they're still thinking of the veggie burger I had 20 years ago. So what's your veggie burger story that you were thinking? Just pick one of them. I mean, I can't really call out the brands by name because that wouldn't be fair. Okay. (laughs) Is this a store-bought or at a restaurant? I mean, both. Part of it's store-bought because there were really only two options at the time. And both were like, oh, this is kind of chewing on old leather. It was just the mouthfeel and the texture was like, see, guys, this whole vegetarian thing is working out great. Uh I want to hear the story. I don't have a specific story. It's very similar to yours where it's like you'd go to whatever. You don't remember what restaurant? No, I just, who knows? Chili's out back. They're all the same. It was kind of like, here you go. We got one veggie option. There you go. Like they'd have one thing. And the one thing was culinarily speaking horrible. But even the things you would buy at the stores, it was just the point is like creatively, nutritionally, scientifically, we have come so far in two decades. So incredibly far. We know that as educated vegans. Jason and I am speaking on. You and I are in the food space. We have tried countless burgers over the years. We have both been vegan over 10 years, over 15 years. So I'm saying us, our opinions are like in that small percentage of people. Most people that I meet, again, this is based on my experience. Most people have maybe only had a couple veggie burgers in their entire lives, if not any. And if most of them Because the Beyond Burger and Impossible Burger just started becoming available at restaurants like within the past two years. And most people, they have one bad veggie burger. They're never going to trust them again. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. But on the other hand, you have the Beyond Meat or the Impossible Foods burgers. Most people I've met that have had those burgers have been absolutely blown away by them. And they have said time and time again, oh, I didn't know eating vegan could taste this good. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. The thing is, if people were eating for nutrition only, we'd have a much, much different planet and system of eating. But the reality is that when it comes to food choices, it's not just clearly about nutritional density. It's the cultural implications of feeling included in your family dinners, the potential ostracization with your friends, wanting to feel included, the traditions that are held with you. Like eating is a very emotional act. And it's a very layered, very nuanced, very sensitive thing for people. So Mm. this whole idea of we ought to be whatever, eating paleo, eating keto, eating whole food plant-based, eating blah, 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 whatever it is that people try and shove down people's throats, they're forgetting it's not just about the nutrition. In fact, I think for most human beings, that's probably one of the last considerations currently in why they choose to eat the food they do. What's at the top of the list? Does it taste good? Is it cheap? Is it easy? Do I feel like this is something I could share with my friends and family for that communal experience? 
it is so multidimensional, the act of eating and what we choose in our food, that it's diminishing to reduce it just to the perspective of nutrition. Because the human psychology point of this, what is psychologically pleasing for people, what is emotionally comforting, what helps bring us together so we don't feel divided from the people we love in our lives. If something like Beyond Meat, Impossible, Good Catch Foods is another plant-based seafood Mm -hmm. brand. If these analogs, these plant-based versions of things allow people to feel not only nutritionally satisfied, but also still feel connected to the people in their life, to still be able to go to the cookout in the summertime and throw a couple patties on or throw a couple sausages on, and maybe your Uncle Albert and your Aunt Linda try one, they're like, oh my God, this is great. First, it's like, let's remember, you know what? When I first went vegetarian, I had so many uncomfortable experiences. And that one other comes to mind for me, and maybe you have a similar one, Jason. It was a summer, the first summer that I had going vegetarian. I hadn't Mm -hmm. gone vegan yet. And I was with this family I was a nanny for. And I was so dedicated to it. And they were having like a cookout at their summer house. And we went to the grocery store and they were going to eat hot dogs. So I bought like tofu dogs or whatever they were. And I remember the father of this family I was working for laughing at me and making fun of me and grilling me. And I don't think he meant to hurt my feelings. I think it was just part of his personality. But I, I don't think about that moment very often. But that's what comes to mind when you're sharing this, Jason, that social side of it, of feeling like I'm like so embarrassed that I was eating a veggie dog that was trying to masquerade as a hot dog just because I wanted to fit in. And it really didn't taste good. So in addition to feeling like an outcast, addition to feeling embarrassed, I also didn't even enjoy it. Right? Right, right. But I'll tell you as a contrast to that, every time I've had the Beyond Burger in a social setting with meat eaters, which mm-hmm. is many times, mm-hmm. I have only positive memories because I put it on the grill. It looks just like a beef patty. So nobody even knows that I'm eating a vegan burger. If I don't say anything, nobody will even notice. And then most of the times I'll offer a bite to somebody or maybe I'll, I'll share a patty with them, right? And most of the time somebody will say, wow, that's actually really good. That did not happen 15 years ago, right? No, it did not. <laughs> so yes, to your point, Jason, there's an, another level to this, an emotional element of the progress we've made. And we also have to remember that so much has changed in just a few years, The majority of my 15 years of being vegetarian and vegan has been those hot dog type experiences, the tofu dogs, right? That was the majority of my experiences, having food that did not taste as good and that did not even look like the food that other people were eating and having to weather people making fun of me or questioning me or turning their nose up at something I invited them to try. So to create something that is not only socially acceptable, that allows you to fit in, that is also relatively affordable and something that you can find frequently, very easily. I mean, now that you can go through drive throughs and order the Impossible Burger or the Beyond Burger and again, like not visually look like you're completely out of place with somebody else, that is remarkable. And we're just at the beginning. We are at the beginning of the shift. We are probably, I mean, when did the Beyond Burger come out? Probably two years ago, maybe three. Yeah, I remember first having it in 2016. They shipped a preview pack and it hadn't been on the market yet. I did that video on YouTube and I grilled it and it was, oh my God, I'm putting it on the grill for the first time was like, oh, hello. 
Hello. Sizzled and sparked and was juicy and was like, it performed in a culinary sense. It was the first experience I had ever had, okay, where this thing performed and had the same sort of reactions to cooking that a traditional beef burger would. Mm-hmm. I remember that very first time it was like, oh, this is going to be a game changer. Oh, it is. Guess- and remember at the beginning, you could barely get them. Oh, yeah. Right. They were only at Whole Foods for a while. And so Whole Foods is not accessible to most people in terms of price or locations. And it was almost always sold out. It really wasn't until maybe the past year that this Beyond Burger has been available at so many places, including restaurants across North America. And I don't know if it's in Europe yet, but that shift has been so remarkable. And we could say the same thing with brand like Oatly with their oat milk. I mean, Oatly oat milk, at the very beginning, you could barely find it. It wasn't that accessible, but it was one of the best plant-based milks that we've ever had. And now it's available all across the world. So people can choose to have oat milk. Very similar point where it looks a lot like milk. It tastes a lot like milk. It foams like milk when you want to put it into drinks. You can have a plant-based drink that tastes a hell of a lot better than soy milk, in my opinion. But that performs like milk so much so that baristas have finally embraced dairy-free drinks. Because all these years of us having soy milk and almond milk, a lot of baristas would kind of turn their nose up at it. For sure. Right. Well, because it didn't perform the same. Yeah, you it didn't do what they needed to do chemically. And you feel like an outcast for ordering something dairy-free. I mean, this has been the case for so long, and we've gotten used to it. <laughs> so to come back around, it's a complicated thing. And I, I think this is the thing we just need to consider, is that it's basically going back to this idea of perfectionism. If you're going to hone in on the flaws of something and ignore all of the amazing things that something is. And I think societally, we are at a point where there's a lot of people that they will find the flaw in anything and verbalize it to the point where other people see their statement and think, hmm, maybe they're right. Or maybe I shouldn't even bother having the Beyond Burger because I don't want to be shamed for it. I don't want to make the wrong decision. And not to mention, Jason, if somebody's whole point is that the Beyond Burger is going to kill you, How the hell do they know? If it's been out for three years, (laughs) we do not have enough data. (laughs) Like, let's be honest. Yeah, Yeah, there's not exactly like a double-blind study going on. There are, as much as we don't want to believe this as vegans, just because you're vegan doesn't mean that you're bulletproof. Like, it does not guarantee you a long life because anything could happen. It depends on what you're eating, but also your genetics. It depends on so many factors in your life. Your environmental, you can be vegan, but be filling your house with chemicals. To be truly healthy, you have to make a lot of conscious choices. So just because you're eating salads every day does not guarantee that you're going to live any longer than somebody that eats processed foods, right? It also depends how long. I mean, my grandfather is a great example. He was born, I think, in 1919, and he passed away in 2016. He lived till he was 97 and a half. My point is my grandfather grew up in a time before processed foods. But for most of my life, as far as I know, he was eating really processed, cheap, convenient foods. Like, you know, my grandmother would buy just like the cheapest foods at the grocery store. She was all about getting, saving money. And they did not fall into my version of healthy. But my grandfather lived a long time. 
part of the reason I think he lived so long is because he spent a good majority of his life eating unprocessed foods because they didn't even exist. But had they existed, he probably would have eaten a lot of processed food throughout his whole life. So it depends on so many factors. Like how much of your life have you been eating unprocessed foods versus processed foods? And what do you define processed as? And what's available to you? Like, what did you grow up on? Like, just because I've been vegan for 15 years doesn't negate the years prior to that in my life and everything else I was eating. I have to work really hard to take care of my gut health. I think something happened when I was a little kid, if not a baby or even in the womb, that impacted my gut health. Our mothers are passing on so much to us before we even get to make a decision. Again, there are just so many factors beyond the food choices we make. And it all depends on how long we're making them and what's going on on a cellular level with us. We can't just claim that just because you're eating salads right now all the time and you never have a Beyond Burger that you're any healthier than somebody that eats a Beyond Burger or that you're going to live any longer, I should say. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. And there's this meme that's been floating around on social media. I'm going to paraphrase it. I put it into an article at the Wellevator website. It's something like you can eat all the kale salads. You can eat the superfoods. You can drink the smoothies. You can do the yoga, go to trips to Peru and Tulum and do your ayahuasca and blah, blah, blah. But if you don't deal with what's going on inside your head and your heart, you're not healthy. And I'm going to say that because I think there is a lot of a materialistic, egoic attitude, even in the health and wellness industry, where it's like, if I just eat the exact right way and take this powder and do this yoga class and go on this retreat and get these mala beads, I'll be healthy and balanced and spiritual. But you're holding on so tightly to this externalization of what you think is going to make you healthy and well and balanced that you become unwell and unhealthy and unbalanced because you're so stressed about it and you're holding it so tightly. People are so focused on the externalities of this that many people I know, whatever, they're going for the gold medal, right? It's like, I'm whatever, I've been 100% raw for 20 years, or I'm a breatharian, or I only do juices, or I'm a fruitarian, whatever it is. Like, okay. I've been perfectly vegan, but they're so, you can feel their energy is so contracted and so closed in and so nervous and so fidgety and so angry that some of the healthiest eaters I've met have been some of the most unpleasant people I've met. So the point is like this orthorexia, this obsession with what we're eating is ignoring the other dimensions of health, which is, are you being kind to yourself? Are you being kind to others? Are you learning how to live in balance? Have you forgiven? Have you let go of past traumas and past hurts? The dimensions of being a well person, being a balanced person, there are so many factors to it that to be reductive and say it's just about food is missing the whole point. Because there's so many other layers to this conversation. Now, and you and I talk about this all the time, Whitney, and food is very important, right? Obviously, with the ever-changing landscape of the research we know of what food is doing to us, we actually have no idea because more research comes out every single year. But my point is this. It's not just about what's on the end of our fork. It's how we treat each other. It's about the other choices we make in this planet. But ultimately, if we get on our high horse and we are telling people what they ought to be doing or what they should be doing, or I have the answer and I'm going to show you what's right. We are not being kind to one another. We are not engaging with kindness and equanimity and trying to hear another person's perspective or their life story or why they're making the choices they do. We have no idea. Or celebrate. Exactly. Just like you said at the beginning, it is a win that Beyond Meat has made so much money and is on the stock market. Yeah. A vegan company. And they have some of the most influential 
wealthiest, literally the most wealthiest people on the planet are supporting this brand. And beyond this, and I want to touch on this really quickly, one of the holy grails in this whole conversation has been pro athletes because professional male athletes in particular have had this gladiatorial centuries old idea of like, you know, you have to kill and murder and rip and eat flesh to be strong. Like even growing up, me playing sports, right? What do you do? You drink milk, you eat meat. That's how you get strong. You work out, you drink milk, you eat meat. Which but, is funny because I think historically gladiators were like big starch eaters. Yeah, actually gladiator translates to barley eater. But the amazing thing about this conversation is athletes in particular were one of the toughest communities to crack in terms of eating a more plant-based food or eating healthier. Because it was this thing of this way, way old school nutritional philosophy of you have to eat animal flesh and you, you have to eat a certain way to be strong and healthy. So to see champion athletes investing in this company, right? I mean, early at the beginning of this year, you know, I'm a huge basketball fan. So two of my favorite players, Kyrie Irving and Damian Lillard, were both like, yeah, we're vegan now because it helps with recovery. We find that we're not as sore as long. We actually are pushing harder. Right. It's like and then that ripple affected out. And there's even more, especially in the NBA, for some reason, more vegan players in the NBA than ever. It's mind blowing. Like and I grew up playing basketball. And to think that we would have even a handful of vegan athletes who've come out publicly to talk about it. That's a segment of our population and our cultural consciousness that has never talked about this before. That's massive to undo the masculine archetype of to be a man and to be strong and to be healthy, you've got to eat meat, you've got to kill things, right? That's a whole nother conversation of the layered archetypes around that. But to have champion athletes come out and say, I eat this product and it's helped me, that's never happened, ever. That's massive. Like the impact of that cannot be discounted. And it takes money. I mean, because a lot of these people are being paid to say things like that. I yeah. mean, whether they personally believe in it or not, doesn't even matter as much because to your point, Jason, they are promoting something for the first time. And so when a brand like Beyond Meat makes money, they have money to invest in things like that right. because these pro athletes may never share what they're doing privately, but when they're paid to share about it, <laughs> they will, right? Mm -hmm. And so a lot of this marketing to get into these restaurants, to get into store shelves takes money to market it, to improve on something, to change the ingredients. For all we know, Beyond Meat may be trying to add in less processed ingredients. We don't know. Mm -hmm. We don't know what they're working on. But it takes so much money. And that's the ironic thing about this, is that all of this time that people are complaining, do you know how many amazing brands out there never make it? They have to shut down their businesses or no one ever even hears of them. They don't get the right distribution because they don't have the money to do it. And now we're going to publicly shame a brand for making money? That's ridiculous. That's truly ridiculous because money is literally our currency. This is how we get things done. There is nothing wrong with money. It is just our perceptions of money. So if somebody is becoming wealthy, more power to them, literally. They have a better chance of influencing things. We look at the government, it's very financially based. So in order for someone to even have a chance of being involved in the government, they have to raise money to be into a position where they can influence a country, right? Yeah. So we need to have money. And that's how all of these things, like Jason's talking about, happen. 
people want to get paid or they need to get paid, right? So I think it's absolutely fantastic. It's really just the beginning too. I mean, brands like Beyond Meat are paving the way. So you might not like Beyond Meat, but hopefully you can respect Beyond Meat for showing that something is possible. And I also think overall, as we're wrapping this, it, to me, it's an overall viewpoint and philosophy and way of seeing the world that if you want to, you can see the good or the bad or judge anything however you want. And whether it's the law of attraction or energy, like finding like, birds of a feather flock, whatever, I am practicing doing my best to see the positive and the beneficial in things before my mind automatically goes to the negative. Because I think that we as beings are so conditioned in our fight or flight reptilian responses in our brain to find the danger or find the wrong or find what's at fault here so that we can see if we want to like exit the situation. Well, maybe that's why those people came up with their opinions in the first place. I mean, if we're going to have compassion for everybody, we need to have compassion for people that we disagree with. And so maybe they're making these statements out of fear. For whatever reason, these people think that processed food like Beyond Meat is going to be the death of humanity. And maybe that's their survival instinct. I've got to make sure that more people eat salads and don't eat too many Beyond Meat products because maybe that's going to ruin the entire planet. And I mean, I can also see their side of it too. Processed food usually requires a lot of resources. You buy a package of Beyond Meat at the store and it's packaged in plastic and paper. It's wasteful. Who knows how much waste goes into making it? Who knows how much waste happens at a restaurant? Like, it's not the perfect solution to making people healthier or more eco-friendly, except that you and I, Jason, are looking at the progress that it's making versus the perfectionist side of it. And that's our standpoint. But to have compassion for these people, I think a lot of times anger just comes out of fear. So they're probably afraid of something or maybe they're triggered. Who knows? Maybe they had a loved one pass away because all they ate was junk food and they're terrified that other people in their lives are going to pass away if they eat too much junk food, however they want to label that, right? Mm -hmm. So I think we need to also recognize that we don't know what motivates these people that are saying negative things, right? And it's their choice to speak out on that. It's We have freedom of speech, so their opinions are just as valid as ours. And it's just that we personally believe that what they're saying is not helping, <laughs> but who knows? They might believe that we're not helping. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, opinions are like assholes. Everyone's got one. <laughs> I mean, it's taking everything with a grain of salt. And here on the podcast, we're just always wanting to dig in things. We don't claim to have any answers. We don't claim to be right. I, I certainly don't. It'd really be boring if we just were neutral about everything. <laughs> like we just, and you know, everything's just, it is what it is. What if we ended it? You know, it is what it is. Everything is everything. And that's it. Which is actually the truth. <laughs> Which it is. It is. Not, I mean, that's the sad state of media is that if we created a podcast that was really polite all the time. Called Everything is Everything. It'd be a little dry. It would. It would. Unlike a Beyond Meat patty, yeah. which is quite moist if you cook it properly. Yeah, it Asterisk is. if you cook it properly. But that's a different discussion. So we appreciate you being along for this ride with us here on the podcast. As always, we don't really ever know where things are going to go. We just pick a topic and dive right in with you. And if you want more content like this, you can go to the Wellevator website. It's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. We've got a great blog section there with more explorations in consciousness and living well and what it means to be a human being and this crazy, interesting wildlife that we all live. And you can also follow us on all of the social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all of that. And Whitney and I 
We'll be back with another episode soon. We adore you. Thanks for being always willing to jump in the deep end. And we will catch you soon. Yeah. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.